The Copywriter Club podcast is sponsored by Airstory, the writing platform for professional writers who want to get more done in half the time. Learn more at airstory.co forward slash club. What if you could hang out with seriously talented copywriters and other experts, ask them about their successes and failures, their work processes and their habits, then steal an idea or two to inspire your own work? That's what Kira and I do every week at the Copywriter Club podcast. You're invited to join the club for episode 51 as we chat with copywriter Valentina Volchinsky about entertaining your customers with your copy, writing with emotion, video sales letters, and what it takes to break through in hyper-competitive markets like survival, health, and SaaS. Hey, Kira. Hey, Valentina. Hi, guys. How are you doing? Welcome. Thanks for joining us. Thank you for inviting me. So a good place to start, Valentina, is just with your story, how you ended up as a direct response copywriter, working on BSLs, and in, even in the survival market. How did you get there? Well, it's um, quite a funny story because I actually owe my debut in direct response copywriting to Jack White from The White Stripes and The Dead Weather. Okay, this sounds like a good story. Yeah, kind of. So I uh, started as an agency copywriter. I worked at a local agency for a couple of years, but then I had to switch cities. I moved to another city, so I had to look for a job. And I found an internship as a direct response copywriter. And I was like, what is that? I had never heard about that before. And I read about it. I found it very interesting. And I thought that is a very good opportunity to learn something new. And what I did was apply to that copywriting internship. What I didn't know was that the person in charge of the applications was the secretary at the company there. And what she did was check every single person who applied on Facebook to see if they have the same uh, taste in music as her. Because Ah. she had no girls on the team, there were only guys, and no one there to, I don't know, share common interests with her. So she looked at my Facebook page and she saw that I uh, had liked Jack White's page. And she was like, this girl, I want this girl on my team. (laughs) Yes. And she went to her boss and she oversold me on the whole thing. And when I went to the interview, the guy was so excited to talk to me. I felt like I was Madonna. He was like, oh my God, I heard so many wonderful things about you. And I was a rookie copywriter, had no idea what direct response copywriting was. But I got the internship. I didn't know that they worked with a certain niche, which was survival. I was used to working in an agency where you just worked on whatever account the agency got. And I was very surprised that my first copy project was for an info product, an ebook called Survive Apocalypse. And I thought it was a joke. I was absolutely convinced it was a a test, you know, the kind of test that you get in copywriting interviews where they say, imagine we're in the desert and you're sending, you're selling sand to me. And I was absolutely convinced it was one of those tests, like survival apocalypse. It was ridiculous. But then I got an email from my boss with the ebook, Survive Apocalypse, and Another book that was called The Ultimate Desktop Copy Coach by Clayton Maypiece. And if you're not familiar with that book, it's a great book for direct response copywriters. But it is 1,068 pages long. And I was supposed to finish the sales letter 
not knowing not even how to begin a sales letter or what a sales letter was while reading that book to understand how the process works. I don't think I've slept eight hours in a month, but I managed to do it and it got a great conversion rate. It got like 12% on a first test on a small email list. So it was great. And I got hired and that was my debut in direct response copywriting and survival. That's nice. Valentina, you mentioned that there was a bit of a mind shift for you when you went from your first copywriting job to direct response. Will you tell us about some of the differences that you saw between the copy you were writing before and the copy that you were writing with the direct response opportunity? Uh, yes. The agency that I used to work at was the typical super bohemian place where you just brainstorm the whole day long and drank a beer and uh, worked on very small accounts. So the income wasn't great for me or for the, for the agency. It was a very small agency. And when I got to this company, I saw budgets of like a million dollars per month and I was shocked. Everything was super structured. The company was, was very well organized and even the copywriting process was much better organized and structured than I was used to. I used to just brainstorm ideas. And here I had two copy trainers, which was amazing. Each of them had a different style. And I was very lucky to get those uh, those trainers because I learned how to write copy and edit my own work at the same time, which is very hard for a, for a rookie. So it was a mind shift as in I suddenly had to become a lot more organized, a lot more structured in my writing. I went from writing slogans and naming products and writing, uh, I don't know, 400 word uh, website pages to writing 6,000 words video sales letters. The style was definitely different. Because at an agency, normally you don't write sales copy. You write stuff for brand awareness. You write advertising campaigns. So the mind shift was radical for me, but it was very useful in the end because I got the business end of copy, which helped me a lot in my freelancing career. Let's talk about that first month when you're working on Survive Apocalypse sales letter and you have this Clayton Make Peace book and you're just figuring it out. How did you download the book? How did you make it happen? Did you have anything that worked, didn't work during that time? Because I think we can all relate to that, where we take on a project that's out of our wheelhouse or a little bit more challenging than what we're used to, and we just have to figure it out within a matter of weeks uh, or days. Honestly, it was a nightmare. Really, really, it was a nightmare. <laughs> I never thought that I would actually get the job because when I was working on the project, I was an intern. And... A future job depended on this sales letter on and on the results that I would get. Pretty much all internships are the same. Like, okay, let's see how you work. And if we like your work and if you're doing a good job, you're going to get the job and you're going to get paid and everything. I was so stressed because the book was absolutely massive. And I swear to God, I was... <laughs> I was reading it during the night so I can write, apply what I read during uh, the day. And I was sitting with like a, a small flashlight in my bed and I was reading and crying <laughs> at the same time because I had no idea. It is a super detailed book. And for a total rookie to jump from not knowing what direct response really is to this is how you write a price justification... I had no idea how I managed to pull that through. 
I was lucky that I had these trainers that that helped me through. I've done the job mostly myself, but it was a nightmare. It was horrible. I didn't understand a word of it. Last year, I uh, read that book again, and I was like, oh, so that's what that's what it meant. Oh, okay, now I get it. Because back then I had no idea. So, it's not a book that I recommend to total rookies when it comes to direct response copywriting. Maybe after a few months. Maybe, I don't know, half a year of experience that would help you get your copy to the next level. Otherwise, it can it can be overwhelming. A lot of our listeners are probably Googling right now for a link to Clayton's book so that they can learn the lessons that uh, you picked up as you went through the book at night. Yeah, I think you can find it in PDF form online. It's not very hard to find. So, Valentina, as you started writing direct response you know, sales letters for this company, how did you learn to use your copy to entertain? Or how did you inject emotion into the page? Obviously, it's different from what you were doing with your branding copy. Yes, yes, totally different. The emotional thing is kind of comes come up naturally for me. That's what my first trainer told me, that he loves the fact that I dig very deep, deep into emotions when I write. It was very hard for me to structure those emotions to come in the form of a story because you don't want to overwhelm people with a lot of very powerful emotions from the very beginning. You just want to give them a hint and sort of uh, ease them into the story and entertain them. And I have learned that with a lot of training and reading other people's work. But what I've noticed that especially for the markets that I write for, which is alternative health and survival and prepping, these are my main issues, emotional stories work the best. They attract attention, they keep you interested in the subject, and they make you relate to your customers on a level that other techniques, they just can't help you as much as emotional stories. I think I owe most of the technique I use now in writing emotional stories to one of my trainers who taught me how to turn raw emotions into a sales funnel that you take the customers through. And I use a structure for that, that I call a puzzle structure. And I uh, usually open with the climax of the story or with a very powerful dialogue between two characters that attracts attention. Then I dive into the benefits of the product, a very small presentation. Then I continue with the story and I leave the customer with a cliffhanger. Then I insert some facts, some information about either the pain points or the benefits of the product, depending on the customer awareness stage. And I keep continuing with the sort of Tetris structure, where I blend story and information, facts, benefits, so I don't just deliver everything in one fell swoop. And you're talking about the VSL structure now, or does that work well on your sales letters as well? Yes, on sales letters, VSLs, even in emails where you have to sell the product and not the click. Right. Yeah, so if you have a, an email where you have to talk about the product, I write a mini sales letter and I follow the same structure. And I want to back up a bit to okay. the survival and preppy market because I know we had chatted about this over email a while ago and I'm <laughs> fascinated by it as I'm sure most people are. If someone is listening and they're interested in that market, what are some things they should know or prepare for before they jump into that market based on your experience, the good and the bad of that marketplace? 
Okay, so if you're not familiar with this market at all, the first thing that I would advise is not to judge. Because they tended to do that at first. I had nothing in common with that market. They seemed a bit uh, a bit extreme to me. The people in the market who are preparing for, I don't know, these unlikely disasters like massive solar flames that destroy your communication lines or tsunamis and volcanoes and earthquakes, which are natural disasters, but they prepare for everything. And they have like entire rooms filled with uh, stockpiles with food and water and all sorts of stuff in case they have to live without clean water or fresh food for months or even years. And I was very surprised but why would someone invest all that time and money to do that but it's a hobby it's a passion it's a lifestyle and once I started to understand that and stop judging I managed to uh, write in a way that I could completely relate to that market even though I still don't do the same things that they do and I probably wouldn't in this lifetime that's my first advice do not judge try to understand the reasons why they do this try to understand that they are very, very opinionated people. They have very strong political views, very strong opinions. It's very hard to change their opinion. It's very hard to change their, to change their mind once they're, they're set on something. So basically what you want to do is tap into their emotions, compliment or relate to their, their political views. And that's the, the surefire way to, to a winner. And you also are writing in the health niche and a little bit of SaaS, if I'm not mistaken. Is that right? Yeah. For SaaS, I don't write VSLs. I write explainer videos. I'm also a creative director at a very small company where I write creative briefs for content writers and copywriters there. For the alternative health niche, I write VSLs and email sequences and landing pages sales pages. So I'm curious, do you see differences between what you do with sales pages and what you do with VSLs? How do you change the copy from one to the other? Well, it has to sound like you're talking to a friend. I know that everyone says that, but with VSLs, this is super important. You just have to have this natural flow to your copy. I always read my copy out loud. And if I happen to stumble on a sentence or even a single word, I just have to change sometimes uh, entire paragraphs to fit with the flow. That's why I use the structure that I was talking about earlier, the puzzle structure where I begin a story, but I don't just tell the whole story at once. I stop with a cliffhanger and uh, I introduce a little bit of data about the product. I talk about the pain points, then I continue with the story, then stop with another cliffhanger and so on. So people stay interested because some of my VSLs are 48 minutes long. And it's, yes, it's highly unlikely that someone will actually watch a 48 minute long video. On the other hand, we binge TV shows on Netflix. So if you're really interested in something and the copy is super catchy, then you will definitely watch it to the very end. I'd love to hear more about your process. So I know you shared some of the the structure that you use in VSL. What does it look like when you start a project from start to finish as far as the research involved too and even tapping into that, the emotions within the survival niche and the other niches as well? I have a process that I call EPW, 
The E stands for enthusiasm because I research a lot and I get super, super enthusiastic about the subject that, I, that I'm about to write about. After I'm done with the research and I have to start organizing the information and do the writing, I go into the P that comes from panic. <laughs> and I have this massive panic attack every single time. I mean, I've been doing this for seven years, but I get a horrible panic attack every time I have to start structuring and writing on a new VSL because it's a massive load of information and I am not a very well-organized person naturally. So for me, it's an extra effort to do the structuring. Then after a couple of days of total panic, I just realized that I have a deadline in like two weeks. So I get into the W, which is work. And I just work mindlessly. I'm so panicked about the deadline that I, I work day and night until I get it finished. Honestly, this is my process. I just, <laughs> yes, this is a perfect description of my process. I appreciate that. It's, I think I've, I'm in the panic stage currently on a project, so oh. I, I love it. Yeah, me too. Right now I'm in the panic stage of a project too. I don't know, I'm looking forward to, to the stage where I'm actually going to start uh, working and get some flow because I have this problem with editing while writing. Kira, I know you said that before about yourself too, that you have a problem with editing while writing. And everyone says, no, just write the first draft, whatever comes to mind, and it's fine. And then you know that you'll edit it. I, I can't do that. I can't help myself from rereading the, I don't know, the last page. And I just get that panic attack all over again. What did, no, th this can't be any good. Well, I want to dig deeper into the research portion. Okay. Uh, we skimmed over it in the enthusiasm. It, I love the E for enthusiasm because I agree, you need that in order to kind of get the traction. But when you're in that research mode, I just want to picture what you're doing and, and understand what that looks like for you. Depends on the niche that I'm working for. I have different research processes for survival and completely different research process for alternative health, for example. When it comes to alternative health, I'm going to need to back everything up with a lot of proof. So I'm going to go through hundreds of scientific studies and see which ones are okay and peer-reviewed and double-bind control and everything so I can use them. And then I search for what people talk about on forums. I do review research on Amazon. I search for ebooks or supplements or something that is something that's similar. And I see what people are happy about and what people complain about so I can use their same words, their same phrasing in my copy. For survival, on the other hand, I just go through like 100 blogs and websites and forums. This is my start point because I want to see exactly what people's opinion is about a certain subject. Because as I said, people in the survival and prepping market are very, very opinionated. And I want to know exactly what they feel about a certain subject before I start writing about it. So yeah, that's kind of my, my research process. I relate a lot more to the health market because I have my own health problems. And when it comes to relating and writing with emotion about pain, I can do that very well. So the research part is not as thorough as I, as a, it is in, um, sur the survival niche. 
I have to agree with you. I love writing in the health niche, partly because sometimes the ingredients have such great stories to tell, you know, not just customer stories, but, you know, origin stories, where they're from, how a particular ingredient might be harvested or the impacts that it has, you know, that comes out of the the science. I, I love that part of writing for health. The research is fun. Yes, yes, it's very fun. And I realized that when it comes to the health market, interviewing people is not as great as I thought it would be. I know that a lot of copywriters interview their prospects or their customers to find out their pain points and stuff. And I tried the same thing. But as a person who has been through a lot of chronic pain for years, I realized that people will not talk exactly about those things that matter the most. Those little details that can ruin your mood, uh, ruin your day, those very, I don't know, your darkest moments when it comes to your health. People don't really talk about it. So I guess, I don't know, you have to dig into your own experience uh, with health problems, with pain. Remember exactly how you felt at a certain point or whatever little detail annoyed you to the point where it could ruin your day. And just drop that in the copy and see how it works, because it may work a lot better than what people are talking about during interviews or surveys. Yeah, that's a really interesting point. I find uh, when I'm doing health research, I find that some of the best stuff comes from forums and Facebook groups because people who are suffering from something seem to be more honest talking to each other than they would be in an interview with me as a writer trying to find out these intimate details of their lives. But they're more than willing to share them with other people who are going through the same thing. Yeah. Yeah, clearly that would help. Actually, some sort of a focus group may help better in this case. I don't know if I may give an example that I used in a VSL that worked better than any copy that I got from review mining or interviews. I have a problem with joints. They give me Uh chronic pain. And at some point when I woke up in the morning, my joints were so swollen that I couldn't open my toothpaste tube. And it was so annoying because if this is the first thing you do in the morning, you go and you brush your teeth. And when you start your morning by realizing that your health problem, even though it's it's a minor thing, makes you feel, uh, I don't know, useless. I mean, I, I can't open a toothpaste tube. How am I going to go about my day? How am I going to be useful for society or for my family or for anything? I dropped this line in the copy, right in the intro, and it worked like magic. It was the kind of detail that I wouldn't have thought of myself if I hadn't gone through it, if I hadn't had that experience. Yeah, that's, so that's amazing. Sometimes, yeah, sometimes as those tiny little details that one doesn't even remember to talk about when interviewed or even when talking to someone else with the same health problems. But if you've gone there and you've noticed something really ruins your whole day, even though it's a, it's a detail, you have to write it down. That's what I do. Whenever I feel something annoys me about my health, about, I don't know, about my mood, my anxiety, my something, my experience, I just write it down so I can use it later. It's a good excuse to start journaling more, right? To just yeah. capture all those negative emotions, I think. Yes. I think it was Rye Schwartz who said on the show, the data mining, all of that is great and important, but you have to dig deeper and figure out what's underneath the surface of what people are saying in forums, what they're saying in interviews, figure out what they're not saying. And that's where I think, like you said, we have to dig into our own experiences and it's easy to overlook that at times. Exactly, exactly. So don't be afraid to use your own experiences if that helps for your market. 
So you've worked on some very successful sales pages and VSLs. Can you tell us a little bit about you know some of your success stories, uh, the things that you've been able to accomplish with those? Yeah, there's one in particular, a story that I love because it saved a company from bankruptcy. That company is owned by two friends of mine. It was kind of tragic. I worked with them for a very long time and... They uh, had just switched from the survival market to the alternative health niche, and they were struggling to pierce this market because it's hyper-competitive. And they were already bleeding money, and they were like taking money out of their own pockets to just keep the company alive. And at some point, we gathered in a room and we were talking about closing down everything and, I don't know, getting jobs and trying maybe to and retrying later. We talked about it and we thought, look, let's try to launch one more product. We're going to write the ebook with uh, some doctors that we had on the team. So we had specialists writing for us. I'm going to do the VSL. It was for a hearing loss product. And I'm going to try to do my best to make enough money for this company to stay alive. And for the next two weeks, I just poured copy in the best that I could. We launched it and in the first month, it made a million dollars. And then in the next four months, it did another six million dollars for them. Wow. And in less than half a year, we were in a new headquarters <laughs> for the company. We had 15 new people on the team and the company went great for about another two years or something before they decided to, to split. But I mean, the idea is that one VSL actually saved a whole company, which I, I never thought that would be possible, really. That was the best success story. That's incredible. And because we're talking about VSLs in, in this conversation, you know, if someone wants to learn more and really run through a, a well-known training or at least a training that works, what would you recommend? Well, I didn't take any direct response copy course. I had two trainers. One of them is not in the training business anymore. One of them is still a direct response copy trainer and I highly recommend him. His name is Daniel Sanchez. He lives in Toronto, I think. And he worked wonders on my copy chops, really. He has a very simple style of training where he teaches you how to write copy and edit your own work at this without you, um, you don't need an editor for what you do which is great because you can tell exactly what could work and what could what might not work he was really great for me i went through copy school with copy hackers but generally i just got one-on-one -on -one training so we've talked a little bit about your research and writing process. Tell us a little bit about other things that surround a project. You know, how much do you charge per project and how do you go through estimating how much time it's going to take you to do a particular project? I'm not very good with pricing. I have to say that from the very beginning, mainly because I'm not a native speaker and normally clients can tend to pay non-native speakers less than native speakers. And the most I charged for a sales letter was $7,500. It was an 8,000 word video sales letter for a supplement. I know that other copywriters charge more, but this, I'm, I don't know, I'm not comfortable yet with charging more, honestly. So this is my limit for now. 
For landing pages and sales pages, I charge anywhere between $500 to $1,500, depending on the length, the complexity, and the research that goes in it. For shorter emails, I charge between $75 and $100. And for longer emails, like the ones that have to sell the product, which is a mini sales letter, I uh, charge between $100 and $250. Thanks. No, I appreciate you sharing <laughs> yeah. the numbers. And to follow that up, so what does your schedule typically look like as you're building your business now as a freelancer and you're no longer at that last agency. What does it look like? You mentioned just working through the night. Yes. <laughs> Is it pretty wild? Well, as I told you, I'm not a very well organized person and I don't think I'm ever going to be uh, that kind of person. So I kind of accepted it. For example, for the past few weeks, I have been working from 11 at night till four or five in the morning oh, and wow. I've been sleeping through the day. Yeah. So I just move my schedule around the year. Sometimes I work during the day. Sometimes I can only work during the night. So yeah, I can't say that I have a very well-structured schedule. Like I wake up at this time and I'm going to start writing and then I'm going to take a break a break for lunch or something. No, I just, I don't have an, an alarm set in the morning. I just wake up whenever I wake up and I feel rested and refreshed. And uh, then if I feel like doing some research, I will. If not, I'm going to go do my shopping or something and then work all through the night. So yeah, I don't have a very well-structured schedule, but it works for me <laughs> because when I started freelancing, I was so set on being super well organized and, and being disciplined and it didn't work for me. I was always tired. I was exhausted. I was frustrated. And now that I've accepted the fact that I'm just gonna do whatever feels natural to me is much better and I'm much more productive. Valentina, on your website, you write quite a bit about how important it is to entertain your customers as you know they're reading your sales page or your VSL. Tell us more about your thinking behind that and what we can do to be more entertaining in the copy that we write. Actually, uh, one of your podcasts helped a lot in my rebranding. It was the Ben Settle podcast. I was listening to it and you guys asked, uh, you asked Ben, what do you think the future of copywriting will be? And he said, oh, clearly entertainment. And I was like, yes, I know, right? Yes, exactly. I've been thinking about that for months. So that was like my confirmation. And the second day, I just, after listening to the podcast, I just started working on my website. I had this idea with the entertainment because all of my clients would tell me stuff like, oh, wow, you should write for Hollywood. This story is so entertaining. I just, I, I, I went through a 40 minute video without even blinking. And I thought, hmm, there's something there. Okay. So this is my, this is my thing. I can write entertaining copies. So this is what I'm going to do. This is the kind of clients that I want. And this is the kind of projects that I want. So yeah, it was, it, it came naturally as a rebranding idea. And are there any things that we can do to make our copy more entertaining? Do you have frameworks or ideas that you use as you're writing? It's like, okay, this isn't entertaining enough. I need to punch it up. Things that we can, you know, ideas that we can steal from what you're doing. I use a lot of stories in my copy and I have a thing for weird, wacky characters. I don't think there's something more entertaining than being fascinated by a character that I create or a real character that I write about. Someone that does something in a very 
particular way, someone that talks in a very particular way, someone with a completely wacky story. I try to turn even the most common events into a fun story, something entertaining, because I really believe that every story can be boring or super entertaining depending on how you see it and how you talk about it. I don't know, yeah, I would say that building an interesting character and writing the story like you would write a trailer for a blockbuster movie. Can you provide an example of one of these quirky characters? Yes. The video sales letter that kind of saved that company was about a hearing loss natural solution. The character that we used was a guy who had left the Amish community and he had this very particular background where he lived in, I don't know, in Arizona in an urban area, but he stuck to his community's traditions. And that was very interesting because he had a normal family life but on the other hand he had like an old book that was like taken from Harry Potter movie like it was from taken from Hogwarts or something with very old recipes and old medicine that kind of resembles wizardry so we we sort of turned an old wizard story to a very modern environment and that worked super well the character was very interesting there was also a character that I wrote for an erectile dysfunction sales letter, which was very wacky for me to write about. It was very hard for me to relate to a male character with erectile dysfunction, obviously. <laughs> so, yeah, clearly. Right. I, I, I was supposed to be, I don't know, a 38-year-old man whose wife thought he was cheating on her because he didn't want to get oh, intimate no. with her anymore. Yeah, and it was a real story that I saw on a forum and I just turned the character uh, and the story into a sort of a Agatha Christie murder story so I can grab interest like when my wife found out my secret she thought I was uh, a murderer but when she discovered what I was really hiding it was worse she ran out of the house screaming in her pajamas and yeah I just had to to <laughs> really drive it home because it's a very sensitive subject you know and if you don't write something a bit humorous and entertaining to ease that tension in the subject. Most people are going to be afraid to actually watch a whole video about a very sensitive issue like that. So yeah, I just used humor for it, for it. How do you prevent the the reader or the viewer from getting lost in these characters that are so phenomenal and almost miss the opportunity for the sale? It seems like it could be a fuzzy area. The character presentation and everything takes place at the, um, I don't know, let's say first half of the video sales letter, just to grab your attention and your interest and make you relate to the character. But then in the second half of the video sales letter, it always turns to the prospect. Everything is about you lots of yous, lots of uh, let me tell you how, how my story will help you. So the character doesn't really overwhelm the story. It's just for attention and interest in the AIDA process. It seems like there might be a fine line here too, using humor 
with some health subjects, you know, you don't want people to be feeling like they're being made fun of or, you know, that uh, they're being laughed at, especially with something like, you know, ED, which uh, I could imagine, you know, could be offensive to somebody who struggles with that kind of a thing. Yes, yes, exactly. If you use humor, the character takes it all on himself or on herself. There's just one of the emotion range that I use. And as I was saying, it's mostly for grabbing attention and interest because as I was telling you earlier, I just use a lot of very small details when it comes to health problems that I know people will relate to and that will make prospects say, okay, this guy really or this girl really, really gets me. Because it's a hyper-competitive market and it's filled with a very emotional copy and with a lot of talk about pain, which can be super sensitive. But you have to stand out in all the emotional copy that you find, you know, I don't know, in your competitors' VSLs. And these very small details makes your prospect say, okay, this one is different. This one actually gets me to a super deep level down to the, the tiniest detail. I don't know. I think that's what drives the sale at the end of the day. That's fascinating. I know we're almost out of time. I want to ask you for copywriters who want to follow your path and they potentially want to pursue VSLs or sales page uh, copy, what advice would you give to them when they're just starting out? Don't listen to people who claim direct response copy is something that a used car salesman would do. Because I have heard that from a lot of copywriters, a lot of trainers, and a lot of clients. Oh, it's too salesy. It's hypey. It's, uh, I don't know. It makes you feel like you're not with the good guys, you know? Like you're one of those pushy salesmen. And that doesn't have to be it. If you know how to write a good story, if you can look into relating to your customer, not judging, writing with a lot of emotion and trying to entertain your customer, this is the farthest you can be from a pushy salesman. So if anyone tells you that this is like the bad side of copy, don't listen to that because it's not true. You can own your copy any way you want to and be with the good guys, be on the good guys team. I love it. Valentina, this has been great. I really like the framework, the formulas that you shared early on. And it's something that I'm going to have to think about as I'm writing my own sales pages and going through that formula to make them better. It's so much good stuff you've shared and we really appreciate it. If somebody wants to find out more about you or connect with you online, where would they go? My website is valentinavolchinsky.com. I'm not very active on my social media. I don't post on Facebook and stuff. And most of my Facebook posts are in Romanian. But I am very active in the Copywriter Club Facebook group and in other copywriters groups. So if uh, anyone wants to connect with me, write me on Facebook, drop me a line on my website, or just we can have a chat inside the Copywriter Club Facebook group, which is an amazing group, by the way. <laughs> Thank you, Valentina. We are lucky to have you in there. And this has just been really interesting and helpful for both of us as I'm interested in VSLs and I do not have a lot of experience in it, but I definitely want to explore it more. So yeah, thank you so much. Yes, lots of good stuff. Thank you very, very much for, for inviting me. It was really fun and really entertaining since we are <laughs> talking about it. Thanks. Before we end the podcast, we just want to tell you about our sponsor, Airstory. AirStory is an application designed to help you write faster. 
And it does a few things really well. It makes collaborating with others on your team easier. So if you work with clients or other team members on projects, you'll love the way that you can interact within your project documents. But there are two things that we really like about Airstory that you won't get with Word or Google Docs. The first is the way that it lets you organize information into cards. If you refer to research or other information when writing blog posts or websites or sales pages, you'll love the way that you can organize bits of information or entire articles into a card file that you can then drag and drop into your document. And if you do your research online, Airstory's Chrome extension lets you cut and save information directly into Airstory. It's pretty cool. Plus, Airstory has a library of templates that you can use on different projects. So let's say you've been hired to write a sales page or an email sequence and you don't have any experience or you want additional inspiration for the project. You can go into the template library, find a template for what you're working on, and use it to start your document. Maybe best of all, you can try it now for free. In fact, one project at Airstory is always free. If you're a professional writer, there's so much here that can help you. Check it out at airstory.co forward slash club. You've been listening to the Copywriter Club podcast with Kira Hug and Rob Marsh. Music for the show is a clip from Gravity by Whitest Boy Alive, available in iTunes. If you like what you've heard, you can help us spread the word by subscribing in iTunes and by leaving a review. For show notes, a full transcript, and links to our free Facebook community, visit thecopywriterclub.com. We'll see you next episode.